0: Come on, say it like you mean it this morning. This is God's Word, not Pastor Eben's Word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be, and I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the Word of God. I boldly declare That my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, my My ears are open, open. and I better not go to sleep. sleep. I'll never be the same, same. in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together, the fellowship around your word. I thank you for the opportunity to plant the seeds of your word in the hearts of men. I thank you because your word has power and it's already anointed. And I pray that as I decrease now, that the spirit of God will rise up in me and in this place that no one will leave unministered to. I thank you that the word is going to fall on good ground. And it is going to yield forth uh, 30, 60, 100, even a thousand fold in the lives of your people. And so I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and even wonders happening in their lives in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week, we discussed the importance of producing fruit. Everybody say, producing fruit. Now, just look at your neighbor and say, are you producing fruit? And one of the ways we discovered that we could produce fruit was through doing works in the kingdom of God with an emphasis on serving in your local church. So if you have not signed up in some way to serve here at Word of Truth Family Church and you are a member, it's time for you to produce some fruit. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And because producing fruit is a mandate and it carries such a huge reward when we do it, Today, I'm going to talk about producing fruit, but I'm going to look at it in a different way. And that is because God wants us to produce fruit in all types of ways. And so if you're taking notes this morning, our lesson title is Producing Fruit Through Your Wealth. Producing Fruit Through Your Wealth. And the goal of today's message is to biblically show you that we can produce fruit through our wealth or through our giving show you how producing fruit through your giving gives you the right to have asking status and then finally identify some barriers that keep us from properly giving which ultimately hinders our harvest and so if you have your Bibles I want you to find John chapter 15 verses 16 and then Philippians chapter 2 verses 24 I'll say those again John chapter 15, verses 16, and then Philippians chapter 2, verses 24. I'm going to do a brief review because it flows right into what I want to talk about this morning. And the first point that I want to make is producing fruit is a requirement. Everybody say, it's a requirement. So find John chapter 15, find John 15, and we're going to look in verses 15 and 15. And sixteen, John chapter fifteen, and we're going to look in verses fifteen and sixteen. Producing fruit is a requirement. Everybody say it's a requirement. Amen. Uh, Jesus said, "You have not chosen me." Well, let's let's go ahead and I'll I'll read this one. He says, Henceforth, I call you not servants, for servants do not know what His Lord does." But I have called you what class? Friends for all the things that I've heard of my father, I have made known unto you. Here's the next verse. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and I've ordained you that you, look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. That you should go and bring forth what? Fruit. And that your fruit should what? remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the father in my name read it with me he may give it to you so basically producing fruit is a requirement because he has ordained us to do that now we defined on last week the word fruit when you look look it up it means three words works acts and deeds everybody say works acts deeds let's say it all together Works, acts, and deeds. One more time. Works, acts, and deeds. Now, uh, last week, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13, it says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it, the person's works, shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of whatever sort it is. If any man's work, which means fruit... If it abides, which it has built there upon the foundation, he, that person, shall receive a reward. Everybody say a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. So basically, there is fruit... That should come out of our lives. Now, go to Titus chapter 3. I didn't use this one last week in our first service, but I want to use it here. Go to Titus chapter 3 because my point again is that producing fruit is a requirement. And if you don't see it that way, then you'll think it's optional. Just like oxygen is a necessity, guess what? Producing fruit is too. When you see it as an option, something in your life is going to die. I'm going to say that again on this side. When you breathe, you need oxygen. It's a requirement for you to live. If you don't get it, you die. Well, producing fruit is a requirement. It's a need. And when we don't do it, some part of our life is going to die. Amen. Now, in Titus chapter 3, Verses 13, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. I just want to show you this. It says, bring Zenos, this was Paul talking to Titus. He says, bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to what class? Come on class. Maintain, what does maintain mean? Everybody say, keep it moving. It means to keep doing it. He says maintain, what's the next two words? Good Good works for necessary uses. We could also say good fruit for necessary uses. Why? That they may not be unfruitful. So the moment we stop doing good works is the moment we become unfruitful. And once we become unfruitful, based on what we've read in John, we lose our asking status. Are you with me? So now, in fact, go to Exodus. I'm just going to give you a bonus scripture. Go to Exodus chapter 18. I know I'm a little off track, but that's okay. Exodus chapter 18. Exodus 18. And we're going to look in verse 20. Exodus 18, 20. Because I don't want anybody in here to leave thinking that serving is an option. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not an option. In Exodus chapter 18, verse 20, watch this now. It says, and you shall teach them the ordinances and laws and shall show them the way wherein they must walk. And then you must also show them, watch this, and show them the work that they might do. That they what? That they what? That they must do. Notice he said the work that the people should do is a must. It's a necessity. It's not an option. And because we think the work is for the church, is the reason why most of us don't have the asking status that we should need. Now, some of you all say, well, pastor, I work in the church. I've been working since I was three. I was in the church children's choir and we sung this little light of mine and I'm going to let it shine. I've been serving since I was three. Well, guess what? Here's the next point I want to make for you. Because some of you all are working and you don't have asking status like you should and that's why I'm talking on the message today. Here's the next point. Producing fruit has a reason. Producing fruit has a requirement but producing fruit has a reason. And there are three main reasons for producing fruit. Here's the first one. For God to be glorified because remember in John, go back to John 15. Go back to John 15 and we're going to look at verse... Uh, I don't know what verse we want to look at. I'm just going to read you the verse. How's that? Jesus said, if you abide in me and my works abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So producing fruit has a reason. And the first reason is for God to be glorified. How many of you want God to be glorified in your life? All right, so that's the first reason why you need to produce fruit. Here's the second reason. For souls to be served. For souls to be served. In other words, God's kingdom cannot exist if we don't participate in it. Amen. God's hands are your hands. God's mouth is your mouth. God's life is your life. And so he wants to reach people through you. Can I hear an amen from somebody? Amen. So it also helps souls to be served. But then here's the third one that people fail to realize. it. The third reason is for souls to be preserved. Now go quickly to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Go to Philippians chapter 2. See, those of you who are bench warmers. See, you know, when you have a game, you have the players on the field, the coaches and all those people. Then you have the, you know, the support staff and the water boy and, you know, the ball uh, go-getter and the referees. And they're on the field. And then you just got this group of people that's in the, in the stands that's cheering. They came to watch. They didn't come to play. Well, everybody in the kingdom is supposed to be on the field. And I'm going to show you here that if you're not on the field, and when I say on the field, if you're not serving on the field in the kingdom then guess what? Somebody's dying. You say, I don't believe that. Go to Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 24. I know this is a long verse, but that's okay. We're going to read it. Verse 24 says, But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly to you. Yet I suppose it is necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, who's my brother, my companion in labor, my fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Verse 26 For he who, Epaphroditus, he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that you had heard that he had been what? Sick. For indeed he was sick and close to death, but God had mercy on him and not just on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Verse 28. And I send him, therefore, the more carefully, that when you see him again, you may rejoice. Watch this now. And that I may be less sorrowful. And he says, Receive, Epaphroditus. Receive, Pastor Everett. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with gladness and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of what? For the work of who? For the work of Christ, he was close to dying. And here is why not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service. So it was those people's lack of service that almost killed Epaphroditus. Listen, one person can't do it all in a church. And if you are sitting today not doing anything, I'm saying to you, somebody is dying. Can everybody just clap so it sounds good on the CD? (laughs) I need one of those sides that just say clap. (laughs) They'd be like, wow, that's a great church that he's teaching at. But I'm teaching you the word right now. Amen. So now, producing fruit has three reasons. To glorify God, for souls to be served, and for souls to be saved, uh, preserved. So here's number three. Production of fruit has a reward. And the reward is called asking status. And that's why when we read it, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. John 15, 15 says, if your fruit will remain, you can ask the Father for whatever you will. So now I'm going to introduce the second major way to produce fruit in the kingdom. Are you ready? I know I had to lay some groundwork and that's okay. Because I might be here next week if the Lord will. And I ain't done, so I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. Just like I know Jesus ain't coming tomorrow because some of y'all ain't saved yet. (laughs) Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The second way that we produce fruit is with our wealth. And I'm going to show it to you because some of you all need to, you need, to learn, you need to know this because you are working for the Lord and that's one part of your works. But you don't know that your giving is supposed to be producing fruit for you and you're not doing it the way you should. And you wonder why you, some of your asking status comes to pass and some of it doesn't. Well, one plus one equals what? two well w- without the one you can't have two so some of y'all is one plus zero equals one so you got some asking Saturn. but then on the other side he wants you to have the full the full package well in second Corinthians let me just show you that you produce fruit through your wealth through your giving in second Corinthians nine watch verse six but this I say he who sows sparingly shall reap also what Sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man's according as he purpose in his heart. So let him what class? Let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful Cheerful giver. Now, God don't hate a non-cheerful giver. He don't hate them. But he loves a cheerful giver. Watch this. This is good. Verse 8. After you give, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. The word grace there means favor. That you always, watch this, have all sufficiency in all things. Watch this. That you may abound to every good work. That can be translated good fruit. I can prove it to you because it goes on to say, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness remained forever. Watch verse 10. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, which is God, both ministers bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. Watch this. Read it with me. And increases the, the what? The what? increases the fruits of your righteousness when you give to the lord it is a type of producing fruit in your life you say well pastor i still don't believe that i know you don't go to philippians chapter 4 go to philippians 4 see the reason i know you don't is because we have a high percentage of people who don't do it and and i'll give you reasons at the end of why philippians chapter 4 look at verse 14 watch this Your giving enhances your living. If you want to write this down as a take-home statement, your giving enhances your living. In other words, your giving helps determine your living. We think our check helps us determine our living. Man, if you you are bound by a check, you are sad. You are sad. You're going to be in a sad situation because as you may not have noticed, the inflation goes up, but your check don't. So if you are depending on just your check, you are a sad soul. Watch for Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 14. He said, notwithstanding you've done well that you did communicate with my afflictions. This was Paul talking to the Philippians church. He says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and what? And receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and then what? Again, unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift. Now, watch this now, because here's the point. The point is, we produce fruit with our wealth or through our giving. He says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire what, class? I desire what? I desire fruit that may abound to whose account? Whose account? Whose account? Not the church's account. Not the pastor's account. Your account. And you have to change your mindset because you may not have been brought up that way. We think the money goes to the pastor. Well, somebody's got to pay this $20,000 bill that we get from this school every month. If I was getting all the money, who's pay? We, these lights would be off and we would not be in this building. But notice here, That he said when they did give, it was producing fruit to their account. You say, well, pastor, I still don't believe you. I know you don't. (laughs) I know you don't. So go to 2 Chronicles chapter 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 1. And while you're going to 2 Chronicles chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 6. I want to read Philippians 4 verse 15 in the Amplified. It says, and you Philippians yourselves well know that in the early days of the gospel ministry, when I left left Macedonia, no church assembled and entered into partnership with me and opened up a debit and credit account in giving and receiving except you. For even in Thessalonica, you sent me contributions for my needs, not only once but a second time. Not that I seek or aim eager for your gift, but I do seek and am eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessings that is accumulating to your account. Basically, he says, when you give, you are producing a credit line for your account. Amen. And I'm going to prove to you that when you give your financial resources to God, not only does it produce fruit for you, but remember I told you there is a reward for producing fruit. Well, what was that reward? You get what kind of status? Well, let's see that in active, uh, in, a, in someone's life. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, I'm starting at verse 6. This was the story of Solomon. And most of us hear the story and we hear that, you know, God, he asked God, uh, uh Give me wisdom to lead your people and God gave him riches. We, heard, we hear that part, but we don't know how he got there. Well, let's look at the context. It says, and Solomon went up to the brazen altar. Sounds like he was in church. He went up to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation. And he offered, he gave, he sold a what? A thousand burnt offerings upon it. He did what, this was not his tithe because the tithe is not an offering. Let me just help you today. A tithe is not yours. That's why the Bible says bring it. Return it. It says return, return, return unto me, he says, and I return unto you. The, see, some of y'all think that 10% that you struggle in giving, you think that you're giving God your money. That ain't your money. I mean, if I gave you my car and let you, you know, borrow it for the day and you brought it back and you expect me to praise you for bringing it back, I'm not going to praise you. You need to be thanking me for letting me, you you use the car. And here it is. giving our tithe saying, Lord, you ought to be happy. Look at your neighbor and say, he about to get on your nerve right now. Watch this now. He offered a thousand burnt offerings. And in that night, when, come on class, in that night, God appeared to Solomon and he said of him, ask what I shall give you. Solomon's offering moved God to the point that he said, what do you want, man? Your giving of your financial resources opens up the de- the door for asking status. And some of you all are still warped in your thinking because you're thinking, I need your money. No, sir. I was preaching before you got here. I mean, if you don't clap, let everybody clap. Come on, just... Even if you don't want to clap. just Some of y'all like this. <laughs> Solomon got asking status through the way he gave. Somebody say amen. amen. Go to Acts chapter 10. I'll close right here. I'm not finished, but I'm going to close and I'm going to give you a couple of barriers. Acts chapter 10. There was a man who... Uh, God heard his prayers, which is nothing but asking. God heard his prayers because of his giving. I gave you an Old Testament example. I'm about to give you a New Testament example. Because, see, some of y'all go, well, I don't believe in the Old Testament. I just believe in the red writing. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, you break that Old Testament law that says thou shalt not kill and watch you go to jail. You'll be in jail. I don't believe in the Old Testament. I don't. Be- I just believe in the red right now. So we're going to put you in a red cell, sir, okay? <laughs> Acts chapter 10, look in verse 1. Now there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a certain of the band called the Italian band. He was a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people. And he prayed to God, what? Always. Always. Let's see what happened. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour. Notice now when these people were giving to the Lord, the Lord, Lord showed himself to them too. You know, Jesus said, well, your treasure is where your heart's going to be. So if I'm giving of my treasure to God from my heart, God's going to show himself to me. Because the Bible says the pure in heart shall see God. Amen. It says here in verse 3, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him saying, Cornelius. And when he looked up, he was afraid. I'd be afraid too. What is it, Lord? He said unto him, your prayers. And what else, class? What else? Your alms or your offerings have come up for a memorial before God. He could have just said, oh, it was your prayers that came up and and that's why I'm talking to you. No, he didn't say that. He said, your prayers and your giving has gotten God's attention. And the reason some of you all can't hear God is because you're too stingy. How can you hear the voice of a liberal God when you have the heart of a stingy person? Just look at your neighbor and say, he's making me mad right now. Now look at the other neighbor and say, he don't care. I am thoroughly convinced that this changes a person's life. If you put me in Africa with people that didn't have shoes on, I would teach them what I'm teaching you right now because every single one of us have something to give. You say, well, I don't have enough. If you got a check, you had enough. Amen. So what are the barriers that keep some of us from giving? Because remember, our giving produces what? Fruit. Here's the first one. The management of money. The management of money. Now write down 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look in verse 2. Just write it down. It says, moreover... It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. In other words, non-faithfulness is a stewardship problem. Stewardship is the biggest issue with most Christians. And here's the thing. You can write this down as a take-home statement. Faithfulness brings increase while unfaithfulness eventually brings decrease. I'm going to say that again. Faithfulness brings increase. While unfaithfulness eventually brings decrease. You all remember uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the young rich ruler? Y'all remember him? Do Y'all remember the, the story about the, the, the people who, I tell you what, just go to Matthew 25. Go to Matthew 25. I got two minutes here. Go to Matthew 25. Look at verse 14. I just want to read this parable to you because uh, this principle that I'm telling you is true. Faithfulness will eventually lead you to increase. Unfaithfulness will eventually lead you to decrease. Matthew twenty-five fourteen. it says this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them whose goods? It was his goods. And he gave to one five talents. He gave to another one. How many? Two talents. And then he gave to another one one talent, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received five talents went and traded with it, and he made how many talents? He made five talents, which gave him a total of how many? Ten talents. And likewise, he that had received two talents, he also gained another two talents, which gave him how many total? Four talents. And then after, watch this now, but he that received one talent, he went and dug it in the ground, and hid his, his Lord's money. Not his money. The Lord's money. Well, let's see what happened. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came. And he said in verse 20. And so he that had received five came and brought other five. And, and, he, and watch this. He says, Lord, here are my five talents. And I gained five. And the Lord said to him, well done, thou good and Come on, class. What kind of servant? faithful servant and he said because of that you've been faithful over a few things you've been faithful over minimum wage i will make you ruler over many things then he says entered into the joy of the lord so then the second second one with two talents came did the same thing he said to him in verse 23 well done thou good and faithful servant but then he gets to now the one that did one in verse 24 he says and then he which had received the one talent came and said lord i knew you were a hard man Reaping where you didn't sow and gather where you did not straw. In other words, you w- wanted other people to do your work for you. He says, I was afraid. And that's the problem with most people. The reason they don't give because they're afraid. He says, I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the earth. And that talent today could be the work or service you're supposed to be providing for the kingdom or your finances. Lo, there, watch this. Here it is. Here's what you got in in verse 26. His Lord said to him, "You wicked and what, slothful? Slothful. What does slothful mean? Lazy servant. You knew where I reaped, where I sowed, not and gather where I did not straw." He says, "At least you could have put my money in the bank and it could have earned interest." Now watch this, because here's my point. Faithfulness leads to increase. Unfaithfulness eventually leads to. Decrease. Watch what happened. He had one talent. He should have produced more. It says in verse 28, take therefore the talent from him. That's where people get the, the old saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. It says, take therefore the talent from him and give it to the person who had ten so the one that had the minimum amount, because he did not use it properly, that minimum am- amount was taken. And the person who maximized what he had was given some more. And some of you in this room, you're not managing your money right. And let me tell you this, this, this secret. I told my staff this. Giving your tithe and offering is not proof you're a good man, uh, steward of your money. God looks at what's left after you give to determine your status of whether you're a good steward or a bad steward. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Okay, let me give you a secret. Okay, y'all ready for this secret? Y'all ready for the secret? Uh, can I have my phone? Give me my phone. I'll put this secret in my phone. I thought this would be a good thing for you. Uh, Let me give you number two why I find my my thing on my phone. Here's a second one. Here we go. Good stewards know what is coming in, what's going out. Proverbs 27, 23 says, Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. So guess what? I and you, we need to know what's coming in and what's going out and manage what's coming in and what's going out because if you don't manage what's, you know what's coming in, but if you don't manage what's going out, you're not a good steward. So here's a second reason why. People have problems when it comes to giving of their finances. Is their mindsets about money? Everybody say mindsets. Money should be a believer's resource and God should be their source. I'm going to say that again. Money should be a believer's resource, but God Should be their source. If you ever look to your check. To be your source. You will always come up short. Somebody say amen to that. Let me just help you break. The mentality of poverty. Because what we don't know is. How you give. Is a reflection. Of what you believe about giving. And what most of us don't know is we have a poverty mentality. Most of us who do give, and this is for those who already give tithing offering. I'm going to talk to you right now. Most people who do give, they have a rich hand, but they have a poor mind. I'm going to let that sink real quick. Just I'm done with time. Most people who do give, they have a rich hand, but a poor mind. So let me help you break a poverty mentality. Can I help you do that right now? There are five things to do to break a poverty mentality. The first one is refreshing. What does that mean? Refresh. Keep the promises of what giving does in your life. Keep it fresh in your mind and in your heart. Instead of calculating how much your bills are all the time, what you need to be doing is rehearsing and refreshing that word in your heart. Keep that word fresh. That at all, t- I can't tell you how many times a week I say, Father, I thank you that because I'm a giver, men shall give back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give to my bosom. Thank you, Father, that word of your family church, we're giving church. And because we are, thank you for lining up men, giving us favor in Jesus' name. I can't tell you how many times I say that a week. Everybody say refreshing. Got to keep the See, because some of y'all got stale word in you. It's stale. It's old. That bread is molded, man. He said, give me this day my daily bread. Here's number two. Is returning. That means you just got to become a giver. You just got to do it. You just got to start tithing. You just got to do it. Don't be trying to calculate your weight. Just do it. So, Pastor, I don't know what's going to happen at the end. You don't know what's going to happen at the end if you don't tithe. You just got to return. You got to have a mentality that what I have is not mine. Then number three, you got to start releasing. That, that's, see, tithing is not the end, it's the beginning. Offering and seeding is where you want to get to, and that's releasing. So that God, when God says do something for somebody, you can do it. And after you learn to start releasing, then you got to begin to rehearsing. Rehearsing not only what God said he has done, but begin to rehearse what he has done. That's what David did. David, he stood in front of Goliath. He said, you know what? I know I'm going to kill you because I've killed a bear and I've killed a lion. I know I'm going to kill you. When a financial crisis comes into your life, all you got to do is rehearse and say, oh no, I remember back in 1995. I didn't have a dime in the bank and my mortgage was due. And I walked around and confessed that God was going to meet my need and I didn't know where that money was going to come from. And I was sitting at my desk at work and somebody just walked up to me and said, God told me to pay your rent for this month. See, all you got to do is begin to rehearse and begin to remember what God has done. And then after you rehearse, here's the best part. Have a heart to start receiving. If you're going to give, it qualifies you to be a receiver, so why not receive? And some of us don't know that our harvest is being hindered because we have too much pride to receive. I'll close with this. I was on the, on the phone with the pastor of the church that we're having the funeral with in Houston on yesterday, and he had looked us up on the website. He saw, he saw me. I'm pretty sure he listened to the podcast and the whole nine, and And we were talking, and he said, you know what, Pastor Connor? I saw we missed the opportunity or the date to sowing you to to you all's building program. He says, we're going to sow a seed into that. And you know what? I said, you know what? You don't have to do that. I said, but if it's in your heart, we receive that. See, the old part of me would have been like, oh, that's okay. Thank you anyway. No, because I know he's going to be blessed for sowing into some good ground. And if God has put it in somebody's heart to give to you, who are you to refuse it? And some of you all today need to open up your heart and say, God, I receive in Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus, I see a floodgate opening up right now. If you have struggled being a receiver, I need you to stand up right now. Stand up right now. There's an anointing right now. Stand up. Stand up. If you have struggled being a receiver, I need you to stand up because there's going to be a release today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh my God. Look around you. Look around you. That means there are some harvests that we have been missing because we have not been in position to get it. Father, in the name of Jesus. You said, ask it, it shall be given. Seeking we shall find, knocking the door shall be open. When we give of our service and of our resources, do you say we have asking status? And so I'm asking in Jesus' name to, for you to just work on every heart that's standing up. I command in the name of Jesus for their hearts to be open to receive in the name of Jesus. Father, every form of pride and hindrance and even poverty mentality that would keep them from opening up their hearts to be a receiver. That some of you all thought it as begging. It's not begging, it's receiving. And Father, I declare today for that floodgate that I just saw to open up, I declare to open in the lives of everybody that's standing up in the name of Jesus. And I thank you from this point today, they'll begin to declare, I am a giver and I am a receiver. And Lord, I receive whatever you bring, I receive whoever you bring, and I receive whatever you bring into my life in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for complete deliverance in each one of their lives in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap if you would. Hallelujah. Be seated for just a second. Every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here this morning.